Welcome to Look What She Built, where we show you examples of what an iconic woman leader looks like. I'm your host, Jamie Rowe, and I'm so excited to have you here. I created Look What She Built because I want to celebrate the bold, the brave, and badass women who are doing business in their own way. In this podcast, we're going to interview and celebrate these women business owners, as well as bring on experts that can help us dive deep on topics like sales, self-care, money mindset, and more. So let's dive in and show the world what an iconic woman looks like. Good morning, everyone. This is Jamie from Impact to Income, and I am here today with a good friend, Julie Meyer of Eat Well Global. Julie, how are you today? I am so great. There is nothing I would love, uh, there's nothing I'm more excited about than having this conversation with you today, Jamie. Thank oh you so much God. for asking me. Love your energy. I love it. It's so great. So I have to ask, what did you have for breakfast this morning? Oh my gosh, that is a great question. Well, I definitely had coffee because obviously, and... I had eggs, uh, and the American Egg Board is one of our clients. So <laughs> well, I'm on brand. I had bananas, I had eggs, and I had uh, a half a zucchini that my friend had picked up at the farmer's market. So wow. it was pretty, it was a pretty delicious, healthy breakfast. I'm very impressed, and I'm not surprised. And the, our listeners here today are not going to be surprised either after they find out what you do. So, so, so uh, Julie has created a multi-million-dollar business. Um, I've known Julie for years. She's such an inspiration. That's why we have her on the show today, and she's just amazing. So, I'm going to read your bio, Julie, and then we're going to get right into questions for everyone. So, Great. Julie, um, she was born to two entrepreneurs who met at Weight Watchers. <laughs> Just put it out there. Just put it out there. <laughs> uh, right. What else is there to say? So destined to start a nutrition focused business, Julie's global perspective was shaped by her Indian born British grandmother, as well as two stints living abroad in France and in China. She started Eat Well Global to fill white space in the agency market to bring together nutrition, communications, and a global point of view to empower clients to make change in the world. And Julie gets up every day thinking about how to make clients' lives easier, the food supply healthier, and revolutionize the way we work. Thank you, Julie. I'm, I'm so glad you're here. So I have so many questions to ask you, and I'm, so, I'm sure all of our listeners are just interested to find out more about you. So, so when you started this business, what, what year did you, how many years have you been in business now? So this business as it is today um, is in year nine. Okay. So but I years. started the business. I had about 18 months of the business where it was a totally different business before it became this business. So it's either 10 and a half years or nine years, because depending upon how you look at it. Well, talk to us about the initial one before Eat Well Global. Yeah. So it actually was Eat Well Global. My, uh, my journey with entrepreneurship was like a lot of ours. It was a little twist, little turns, lots of opening doors and walking through them and going down a path and thinking, I think I'm in a dead end. <laughs> I should probably turn around. It's getting a little scary. Um, so, so Eat Well Global came first as a business called Eat Well Shanghai. So in 2009, I was uh, at home with my three and six-year-old daughters and my husband called me from the office and said, I have to tell you something when I get home. 
And for some reason, I thought to myself, I think he's going to ask me to move to China. I just have this feeling. It was really, it was like the Olympics were, you know, it just happened and there was a lot going on with China. And I thought, I just have, I just had this weird feeling. He walked in the door, put the girls to bed and he said, I got to talk to you. I said, is your company moving us to China? He was like, what? Yes. How did you know that? I was like, I don't know. I just had this feeling. That's what you were going to say. And like, First of all, no. Second of all, yes. And third of all, when are we going? So we had six weeks. I had to go in four weeks. It was a middle school year to go check out Shanghai, where I had never been. And I'm a very tall white lady and I was moving to a land of not as tall people. And I thought, oh God, how am I gonna manage this? And there you go. Six weeks later, we were on an airplane with our two girls and we moved there and lived there for two years. Wow. So that business, Eat Well Shanghai, was born kind of out of this expat time I had where I was felt quite underutilized. Uh, I was taking care of my kids while, you know, my husband was traveling all over China building this incredible business. And I thought, well, I can either become an alcoholic tennis player (laughs) and do a lot of shopping or I can start something. So I wrote a book called Eat Well Shanghai. It was a healthy eating guide to living in China with lots of different, you know, tips and tricks and market information, restaurant information, et cetera, et cetera. And I just sat down and wrote it and then I printed it and I sold it. Wow. So you wrote that uh, while you're in Shanghai with um, two kids at the time? Yes. But the interesting thing about China, if any of your listeners have spent time living abroad, is that our house actually came with both a maid and a driver. And as a very independent Brooklyn lady, I was like, no, no, I'm good. I don't need that. And they were like, no, no, it comes with it. It's free. Like you, we can't not have them come. So at first I was like, this is weird. Then I was like, they can work in the business. So in the morning I would send the maid and the driver off to sell the book all over Shanghai and they'd be gone all day and they'd come back and I'd give them, you know, obviously a cut of the books that they sold. So once I, once I organized, you know, how to make that work, I felt, I felt quite a bit better. And actually the whole business really took off just as we were heading back home. So that was, that was kind of the catalyst for then changing it to Well Global. I think that's so leveraging your resources. That's like the epitome of that and being creative, thinking out of the box, who needs a box, right? Like that's so Who needs a box. And it was actually very cute because my driver and maid, I think really were quite of high status among the other drivers and maids because everybody else was like stuck in the house and they were, they were out wheeling and dealing. All over I the know. They were your sales team. You're like, okay, I know you're a driver and I know you're- All right, maid. Mr. Wong, Xiaofeng, come on. We had like a little that sales was, meeting in the morning. That was your first sales team. That, they were literally my first sales team. That's- the hard thing was that Mr. Wong actually gambled a lot at night, so he'd fall asleep, and then Xiao Feng would like complain about him gambling and all that. So there was there was definitely infighting and some drama between the two of them, but um, you know we did our best. That is the best. I'm just and and, and they did not speak English, and I, I did not speak Mandarin. I didn't. What? How I mean, did I, spoke, you? I actually spoke enough Mandarin to get them motivated and out the door, but yeah, there was definitely some communication issues. There was HR things happening, but you know we made it work. Oh my gosh. I love that story. That's so great. We're just going to stop the podcast right now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's awesome. Peace out. That's all and you need to know. If you don't have a sales team, there's a way to find it. <laughs> Even if you don't speak the language, ladies and gentlemen, That's so awesome. Okay. So then you're in Shanghai, you wrote the book, you've got the driver and the maid selling the book. And then how does this transform over to eat well global while you're sitting, you're in Martha's Vineyard right now, but you're in New York. How yes. did that? Yes. So the, basically the transformation was then obviously 
Eat Well Shanghai. I was in Shanghai and moved home. I thought, well, I'll make it Eat Well Global. And I took the concept of these travel books written by dietitians uh, and I created a suite of apps. I created 10 apps that were written by dietitians. So I had Eat Well China, Eat Well Japan, Eat Well Israel. Um, I found these great RDs working in different countries and had them write the content. But this was 2011, Jamie, and like I didn't really understand how apps work. I got this company, Little Monkey in New Zealand, who was writing them for me and we were, but you know, they were good, but I didn't really, I realized what I didn't really love was actually selling something to consumers without getting to know them. Mm. I really realized kind of in that moment and over time that my value that I bring, I think in the world is creating and maintaining great relationships. That's really like my personal mission. And when you sell something like an app to somebody, you don't really create any, you create relationships with your writers and maybe your you know, developers, but you don't create relationships with the people that are using your product. And my background had been in communications. I worked at a PR agency. I had been consulting for different PR agencies. I'm a communications person. So I thought, well, let me go back to that communications. I had become a registered dietitian. So I had the nutrition. And then I thought I'll bring this global piece that I just uniquely have. And as you kind of heard my bio, I just really wanted to create an agency that I wanted to work for. Perhaps some of your listeners either work at agencies or they worked with agencies. And there's a little bit of a kind of a little drama and a lot, you know, it's like, it's, there's can be infighting and catfighting and stuff like that. And that's not kind of what I wanted. I just really wanted to get my work done and have a, you know, move on with my life. So I thought, well, let's just try creating something a bit different. And that's when Eat Well Global was born. So that was 2012 was that we got our first client. And here we are nine years later. Yeah, no, I love that. And I love that you went back to your unique strength, communications, relationships. Um, I feel like you're one of those people that whatever you want to do, it's going to happen. Uh, like any way, shape or form, right? I'm just going to build 11 apps, like whatever. I just did that. And then, sorry. And then back to Mr. Wong. We'll come back later to that. Um, and the mate, what was the maid's name? I didn't get her. Xiaofeng. 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 Okay. Excellent. I'm not going to remember that. Just letting you know. (laughs) But, um, that sounds great, but I, I love that it's about relationships and communication. And I think that's how you've grown your business so quickly too, um, because the connections you have with people that, that warm fuzziness that everyone gets when they talk to Julie Meyer, uh, that's what (laughs) connects everything all together. So, okay. So, so you've had this great calling and this is almost where in a sense of you wanted to create a place, like I'm putting this drama free. I don't know if that you would, you know, something that you really enjoy and that you love and it connects with your relationships. So, so tell me about, um, at, okay. So you got to tell me about when you moved it over to the yes, us, cause you have a partner in this and I'd love to yes. hear and share this story about Aaron. Yes. Yes. So I had not expected that I would have a partner, to be honest. I started Eat Well Global, you know, kind of on my own. And I love what you said, Jamie. That's very sweet that there's nothing that I can't do, but I do try really hard to be what I kind of say cheesily in the flow of the universe. So I know when I'm batting my head against something and I'm trying to make it work. And I know when I'm just in the right flow. So while my intention had not been necessarily to have a business partner, I met somebody fabulous <laughs> and I said, I can't live without her. Um, and it was actually a crazy story how we met. So as I mentioned, when I was living overseas, I got to know all these dietitians working in different countries. And that was um, 
due to being part of a professional organization, which I highly recommend for all your listeners. It's really important to be involved in your professional organizations because it's a great way to give back. It's a great way to network and it's a great way to meet potential partners that you don't even know. So about 2012, I'm launching my apps. I'm doing a little bit of consulting work. I am the fundraising chair of the American Overseas Dietetic Association, which is a great way to meet companies who are interested in investing in global nutrition. So I was a little doing wearing two hats. I was both trying to raise money for this professional organization, but at the same time trying to identify potential clients. I'm the fundraising chair. This gal, Erin, is Erin Kappelhoff, is the president of the organization. And we get asked to speak at a conference in Tel Aviv in June, and it's quite hot. We are sharing a room we basically are sharing a bed because frankly, you know, hotel rooms outside of the US don't look like, you know, the Motel 6 with two giant queen beds, you know, six feet apart. No, we were sleeping together. She had just had her twins. She was pumping for her twins the entire time we were there. So every, you know, two hours she had to come back. We had no space in this room and we just started talking and we realized that we really were aligned on so many things about what we really wanted to get out of our professional lives. We were aligned with our uh, interest in global nutrition. We were aligned with our values. And she was just fabulous in being like, I want to work with you, Julie. Like, I literally don't know where you're going, but like, count me in. I am like on board off we go. And we started working together and she was kind of consulting for us in a consulting capacity. And then over time we got to um, work together as partners. So that was kind of our story of how we hooked up. And I can tell you today still, I feel this way about my husband. I met, you know, 24 years ago on a city bus. I feel that sense of this was the person I was meant to you know, have in my life. She's still, she's still, you know, by far the, one of the best things about my business is the opportunity of the relationship that we've really developed. And we've been through challenges, as you know, you know, we all do. And, uh, and yeah, I'm so grateful for that relationship. This is so great. The, what popped in my head is expect the unexpected. Meeting someone, expect. sharing a bed with someone. Yeah. In Tel Aviv and then finding your husband on a city bus. That's for another podcast. Okay. Um, Fabulous. <laughs> I have all kinds of great stories about meeting random people. <laughs> I'm sure that's awesome. And you've shared a little bit about what has helped you along your journey, but is there anything that you want to share with, um, that kind of helped you and supported you along Whether advice, mentors, um, anything else, but I know you'd mentioned associations that have really helped you along the way. Yeah, for sure. The professional organizations has been super, super helpful in associations. And I think a couple things for me, there were two for us, it, uh, you know, and, and I had little kids when, or not little kids, I guess my daughters were seven and nine when I really started Eat Well Global, which that that's about right. Yep. And Aaron's kids were little. So I don't think we had the same fuel to the fire as some other entrepreneurs. We did not have the sense of like, we have to make, you know, $5 million by year three or anything like that. We kind of had this like, we want to do good work. We want to create an organization we're really proud of. We want it to grow, but we don't. So we just needed patience. So that would be the one thing I would say that is a great resource to tap into is patience because sometimes it does not happen as fast as you want. I had years where I was like, oh my God, is this ever going to hit? And then it hit. Um, and now we've really skyrocketed. So I think having patience and um, having people around you that can offer that and consistency and you know, helping you with your perseverance and talk you down off the ledge when you're like, forget it, I'm just gonna become a realtor. Forget it, I'm just gonna go like, you know, sell, I'm gonna become a bartender. Like, I can't do this. It's like, no, no, keep your patience. So I think, you know, people in my life that were really helpful with that. 
And then for me also, absolutely. I think mentoring is such a big piece, a big part, big piece of what, you know, my journey um, and mentors I've had along the way, as well as, you know, being a mentor to others. So I think really being, being comfortable with saying like, I don't know how to do this. Hmm. How did you do it? Mm -hmm. Tell me more. Can you help me? Um, and being vulnerable and being honest about what you need. And I think, Jamie, what you're creating is so exciting and phenomenal is this community. It is, you know, like a, its own professional organization, really, where you have a chance to get to find some of these people to help support each of us on our journey. And we all need mentors in different ways. So yeah, yeah. let's say two things. Yeah, I love that patience, um, the mentorship, and asking for help, being vulnerable. Sometimes we feel like we need to do it ourselves. But you know, yes. as well as anyone else, is we aren't islands and the connections and bonds that we form during those difficult times are friendships sometimes for lifetime. Absolutely. So is there any specific obstacles that you had to overcome during this journey of this 10 and yes. a half year? We'll say 10 and a half years. We're going to include Mr. Wong in, in all of this. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. And the whole thing. Yes. <laughs> and what, oh, how have you been tested? You know, a lot of people say, Ooh. gosh, I'm being tested. What has come up for you? Any stories around that? Yes. It's so funny. There was a year where I had real doubt. Um, I would say I had real doubt about the viability of the business. Again, that's literally when I was like, I'm just going to, my, my mom was a realtor. And I know real, being a realtor is not easy. I don't know why sometimes that's like my, you know, end results probably much harder than what I do, but I'm like, forget it. I'm going to, you know, go become a realtor. I can't, I can't keep doing this. And I remember um, talking to my father who started his own accounting firm. He and his partner started in 1971. They added two more partners in 1973. They built their business, their accounting firm to over 350, um, no, 500 team members, 350 accountants. And they sold their company to H&R Block, I think in 1999. And then my dad was sort of in semi-retirement and he ended up um, passing this, that the end of that year. But during that time, that whole summer I was being, I had, my husband lost his job, our cat died, my daughter tore her ACL. Um, my father was in hospice care, you know, like uh, uh, the dream project I wanted, we did not get. Our clients felt like they were dwindling and that was the year that I was like, I don't think we're going to be able to do this. And I actually remember as my dad was passing away the week, he had like a long process and people transitioned quickly. My dad was quite stubborn. It's like a whole week. I had gotten the SOW from one of our big corporate clients and I was reviewing the contract while I was there. And somebody's like, you should just read him the contract because my dad loved business. So he probably just wanted to hear. So here I am sitting at his deathbed, reading the SOW to him. He's like lulling away and we ended up signing it and they became our biggest client to this day, the client that basically is, you know, a third of our revenue and growing and um, things, you know, and he passed and then things have really turned around since then. So I would say that year, which was 2017 was by far the hardest year. 2020 was nothing, nothing compared to 20. Was, it was like 2020 was nothing. Nothing wow. compared to 2017. It was a really, really hard year. And it was a big turning point for us because I think it was that perseverance that we talked about. Yeah, sure. And to keep going when everything is falling apart, like what does they say right before they hit the uh, sound of speed? This, yes. Right? In the airplane, yes. everything starts to fall apart. Like every the screws start to come and loose. And then once they hit that supersonic speed, it's silent. 
you know, and sometimes it's hard to see that other side because everything's falling apart around you, yes. you feel like, and then something hits, something hits. Um, and it's interesting. I, I don't know if we talk as much about intuition, but you brought it up a couple of times. And I think it's so important when we, when we trust and believe in ourselves um, and we honor ourselves, like those moments you've had of intuition, I should do this, I should do that. And then you go and do it. I should read this statement of work to my dad. Like maybe that was that connection, that bridge for him too, to, to transfer over to the other side. So that's, yes. it. yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. I call it, I call it a jellyfish brain. I, I get a jellyfish brain and it's a very strange thing. It's like, I feel like this jellyfish comes up from the back of my I don't know what this is called. What is this called in the back of your head? Your cortex or something? Your stream? Um, I don't know. Whatever. I'm not like a good brain person, but this back here. Medulla below. or no? Medulla. Your medulla. Is that it? Something like that. Sure. I don't know. I, I am not. <laughs> I was a biology major for like two seconds pre-med. And then I'm like, nope, too much blood. I'm out of here. <laughs> Clearly we're not neurologists, but anyway, something that comes up from the back of my head and it like takes over my brain and I can't do anything about it. It's like this and I have, it's, it's my intuition. That's just like screaming. Like you have to talk more to this person. You have to like call this person. You have to, this is like really important. Wow. And I've learned over the years and it doesn't happen that often. Sometimes I have like a subtle, but when I get that like giant jellyfish brain, I just, I have no choice. Like I just have to like pursue it or I have to, you know, even if I feel like, oh gosh, these people are gonna think I'm crazy or, you know, it feels like a big leap. I, I don't have a choice. I have to do it. Okay. We need to study your brain. Um, so I don't think I've ever done your- that's, that's a terrifying prospect, but I appreciate the sentiment. Well, I, I don't think we've ever done human design. Have I ever given you a link to do no. human design? Okay. So we're totally going to talk about that later. I'll send it to you afterward. Uh, I'm so interested what your, um, decision authority is which is how oh. you make decisions. Yes. That's very interesting. For the jellyfish to show up. I know. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, here's the deal. You've built a, a 4 million plus business impressive in 10 and a half years. I mean, celebrations of the wazoo here and what you've gone through to get here. So sometimes with entrepreneurs, like there's, there's that fire in the belly. And I know you had little kids, right? As you're grown up, so you're saying not as quickly as other people, but the fire in the belly to create something new, to be innovative. You've created like those 12 apps or I'm sorry, the 11 apps. So you have an innovative, very creative mind. And now the business is this successful business. What keeps your entrepreneurial juices going? Like, what do you do? Great question, Jamie. So, I mean, I watch a lot of Shark Tank, obviously. And like, obviously. you know, what else is there to do besides that? Um, so I'd say probably, you know, two things for sure. One is within the business because we are an agency in the sense of like, we work for clients in a consulting capacity. We also have decided we're just not gonna be a normal agency. And we're also gonna create innovation laddering up to our mission of the company, which is empowering global change agents in food and nutrition. So that can look like consulting, which is you know 99% of what we do, but it can also look like innovation. And, um, you know, moving into next year, that's really a goal of ours is to create some innovative products and um, continue to innovate around that mission that might not look exactly the same as how we've always done it, which is quite different than other agencies, which tend to just, you know, do agency stuff. So that's super exciting. And I'm grateful again for my partner, Aaron and our team, Vanessa, um, who also has an entrepreneur, actually all three of us have entrepreneurial backgrounds. So 
I think we are really excited about what that's going to look like. Um, and then I actually have a little side project that I'm working on, which has been super fun. And um, speaking of jellyfish brain and a good story, this was actually a COVID silver lining for me. I think a lot of us, some of us had it, not a lot. There was some people did, some people didn't. But I felt very grateful that actually leading up to the pandemic, um, in January of last year, 2020, I got an email, I got a cold LinkedIn, which if I also remember, Jamie, that's how you and I met. Mm -hmm. So as you were actually asking about resources, I was like, LinkedIn, you know, something mm -hmm. magic, magic can happen on LinkedIn. You never oh, would expect it. Yes. A lot of magic <laughs> there. Let me tell you a lot of magic. Yes. You know where, how geeky we are when we're talking about LinkedIn magic, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> We've got the pinnacle, LinkedIn magic. Yes. LinkedIn magic. So anyways, uh, this, you know, guy, his name's Jimmy, and he reached out to me and said, hey, I teach the food entrepreneurship class at Tufts. And, you know, your profile looks awesome. I have a lot of RDs in my class, and we'd love to hear from an RD leader. Would you be interested in coming to speak? And we chatted on the phone, and I was supposed to go at the end of March. I ended up moving it to the middle of March to March 11th, if all of us remember what March 11th, 2020 looked like. Um, and it was in Boston, I was going to have to travel and everything was kind of shutting down. And I thought, well, should I go? Should I not go? And I have a client in Boston who said, I'd love to see you. And I have your contract on my desk. So why don't you come for lunch and I'll sign your contract. And you know, Jamie, as well as I do, if a client, if you're unsigned contract and sitting on a desk and all you got to do is get to Boston before we really knew it was a pandemic, you get to Boston. <laughs> so the good news was I got my contract signed again, still a great client that we're business is growing with them. And I got to meet Jimmy and we had, I spoke in his class and we ended up having a happy hour together afterwards with his whole class. One of whom his um, classmates now is an employee at Ewell Global. So I got a double benefit. One is we got Ahmad as an employee. Two is I got to spend a lot of time with Jimmy and we realized how much we had in common and how many, how much we wanted to just talk about, you know, brainstorming. And he is the ultimate creative you know, entrepreneur, juices flowing, you know, all kinds of great ideas coming. So I had the jellyfish brain moment where he said something that I misheard. And it was quite funny because I thought he said, he asked me about a song by Chris Ledoux, who is a country singer. And I thought he said Husker Du. And I don't know, Jamie, if you're as old as I am. Husker Du is like a really old 80s alternative band. And he's a young guy. And I thought, how in the world does he know Husker Du? He's really cool. Of course, he didn't say that at all. He had no idea who Husker Du was. He was talking about Jason Ledoux. Anyways, long story short, Jellyfish Brain comes over. I was like, all right, we got to do something together. So we've been chatting for now 15 months and we've started an organization called Augmentors that is augmenting the mentorship experience because we feel that mentoring is kind of old school. We all know it's important. Even at the beginning of our conversation, we talked about it, but there isn't really a language around it for either the mentee, which we kind of call like the believers, as well as the guides of the mentors. There's just not a lot of language around it. And as a result, we think it's not happening as much as it should be. So we're working on creating content um, to help both organizations, to help companies, to help individuals have better conversations around mentoring. I love that. And so is this for people in corporate entrepreneurship? Is this anyone? Like, what does this look like? I think we're really targeting sort of the junior corporate, you know, kind of first job, second job, third job out of college. Folks who have had a lot of privilege potentially, or a lot of, you know, kind of uh, assumptions about how people will treat them in the workforce. And, you know, I think there could be like a little bit more humility maybe within this, this kind of group. So it's really helping folks who are looking to be in within more of a kind of corporate environment, uh, to have better understanding, more language around mentoring um, 
So that's that, that's kind of our target. Although obviously both of us have an entrepreneurial background, but we feel like there is actually a lot of mentoring happening for entrepreneurs. Um, and there are a lot of groups that are trying to do that, but not as much, you know, in the corporate environment, we don't think it's happening as well. Yeah, certainly too. And there's nothing like having a role model, someone to look up to and guide you. That's not a family member. Like, you know, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, like other family members try and help, but it's just a little different when it comes from a neutral source. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for everybody to really see the benefit, you know, we kind of want to position it like volunteering. Like if you volunteer, you just always volunteer. Like Mm -hmm. my husband and I both always volunteer. It's just part of what we do. And then just to create this culture, like you just mentor, it's just part of what you do. It's just part of what you do in your jobs. But how do you really identify what that is? What does that look like? Yeah. And giving back, which feels so good. It's just, and you get so much. I mean, mm-hmm. I mentor, you know, quite a, I mean, I mentor quite a few people now and it, I mean, I learn every single time I have a conversation. I learn more than I do when I talk to my own mentor. Yeah. I absolutely love that. That's so beautiful. And I would love to be on a fly in the wall with you and Jimmy in a room brainstorming. Like I can see the whiteboards now, Julie. Like- <laughs> It is, it is, it is terrifying and beautiful at the same time. There's a lot of ideas going. Yeah. And the jellyfish brain. I love that. Okay. All right. What we're going to do now is we're going to roll into yes. the speed round and then we're going to wrap Great. up. So I can't wait. Are you ready? I'm braced. I have myself has completely been braced. And the first answer is lobster. Oh wait, no. What was the question? Okay. Sorry. The first one is a softball. Are you ready? Yes. What is your favorite movie or book? Ooh, my favorite book is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. And everybody should read it because it actually is a blueprint for showing up kindly in relationships. Even though the name makes it sound weaselly, it's every single professional should read that book. I agree. I read that in my 20s and it changed everything. I'm like, this is so logical, but how often are we doing some of these things in here? So yes. Okay. Number two, something most people don't know about me. (laughs) Hmm. Boy, let's see. I would say most people don't know that I sleep a lot. I sleep like 10, nine, 10 hours. Most nights people are like, you have so much energy. I was like, that's because I sleep a lot. And I actually go to bed at like nine. That is incredible. I wish more entrepreneurs did that because we're so fresh. If we're like working around the clock, burning the candle at both ends, just your brain is not there. Okay. That might be your secret. Do you, a side note, do you dream? Are you a dreamer? Um, I I dream. It's funny. Actually, I just had a call with somebody right before this and we were just talking about our dreams, which is so strange because I haven't talked about that in a long time, but I, um, I'd say like 30% of the time. Okay. That you remember it. <laughs> yes. That's so cool. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm fascinated by dreams. Um, okay. Awesome. Number four to me, sales is fill in the blank. Impact. Sales impact. is impact. Mm. Sales. I think we would do a good service to help people think about sales as impact. You are, you are impacting the person you are helping by providing them with a quality service, product, et cetera. And that is making an impact in their lives. Mm, I love that. Can you come to my next sales meeting? Um, I'll bring Mr. Wong and Xiao Fung. <laughs> so great. I have okay. a hard time translating impact for them. You know, like the, they didn't quite get it, but what can I say? Okay. Yes. <laughs> that, that's ahead. for sales team number two, which is what you have now. Sales team number two. Okay. Yeah. Last question. My greatest hope for the world mm. is. 
Ooh, I, I, we are a certified B Corp, um, Evolve Global, and I would love for more organizations to commit to impact as part of their measurement of success, not just finance. So when we get out of the trap that it's everything is only about making money for organizations, then I think we'll see a big impact in the world. I also believe strongly in the power of business. So that's one of the things I love the most about B Corp. It's not about becoming nonprofits. It's not about donations. It's not about, you know, do-gooding. It's actually about creating impact with business. I love that. And I love that you said that because in, you know, going back to the beginning and saying a way to help change the world. And you have made a business, a very successful multi-million dollar business. <laughs> oh, keep saying it, Jamie. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'll just, just I'm going to do a recording and send it to you because you're so amazing. I don't think you know how amazing you are, Julie. No, and I'm, I'm not saying that like flip it way. I mean, it's impressive. And Thank so um, people need to hear more stories like what you're sharing today. It's not easy. There were obstacles, but you work through it. There's patience, resilience. There's learning how to find, create a sales team in a country you didn't know the language for people who <laughs> never have done sales in their life. Like, that's crazy. That's awesome. And I just, I want to honor you. I want to thank you. And I appreciate you so much. So thank you so much for being here with us today. Jamie, this is my pleasure. Have me back. I would love to come back anytime. And I'm so also proud of you and very, very excited about what you are creating. So oh, thank you so much, Julie. It's amazing. Awesome. Well, thank you everyone listening and Bye. we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to this conversation. I'm Jamie Rowe with Look What She Built, the one and only podcast that celebrates the brave, bold, and badass women who are doing business their way and telling us about it. Until next time, go show the world what an iconic woman looks like. Please share this with three women because we all need to share positive messages in the world. And if you want to learn more, please connect with me on social at Impact to Income.